So the minute you get beyond the physical senses, that's when the actual um, stuff happens. And that's when you actually move into this interjective planes of reality where you can cross between the spiritual and the physical. And so I thought I would be totally out of my mind and it was the opposite. After I got through all of the subconscious, you know, thoughts and the weirdness and all of the shapes that, you know, our subconscious mind wants to release from all the overconsumption consumption of movies and, and videos and things like that, then you step into this infinite web of, of all and you start working on the spiritual level. And so... What's up, family? Welcome back on the Just Happen podcast. I'm your host, Emilio. And this is the first time I'm getting on the camera this year. So I wanted to wish you a very happy new year, 2024. A lot of the guests that have been coming on are predicting a lot of energetic shifts and attunements that are going to be happening going forward into the Aquarian age. And if you are here, I wanted to acknowledge that you are doing the work necessary to be a leader in the new earth. And it also means that you are preparing yourself for all the changes that are going to be happening spiritually, psychically, emotionally, mentally, also physically, by learning to tune into yourself, hearing these extraordinary guests. And I just wanted to acknowledge you for being here. And I appreciate you so, so much. I can already feel how this community is growing by the day. So thank you for allowing me to do what I love to do. And on that note, this episode is nothing short of magical. If you didn't know the guest today, Pavel, Noah Aeon, was the very first episode I ever recorded in my life in the podcast landscape about three and a half years ago when I decided to buy a microphone and a camera and do all these things during COVID. Pavel was one of the first people that I brought on, actually the first, because he has been an integral part in my spiritual awakening and in my journey. He led the very first breath ceremony that I ever did in my life. I was left tingling, my heart blasted open. So now it's just a blessing to bring him again. A hundred plus episodes later, so much has changed, so much has expanded and bring his message forward to you. This is a super, super special episode for me. So I really hope that you enjoy and I can already feel how this community is growing. Um, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, the ways that you can support us in bringing more extraordinary guests is by clicking that subscribe button, growing our community, growing this um, message that we're getting out there. And if you're on Spotify, you can leave a rating for this episode. I would really highly appreciate it. And I'm just going to say we have insane guests coming on this year um, but if you want more of that you can help us by sharing these episodes sharing the messages and allowing me to do what i love to do and share that with you so sending you so much love and enjoy this episode with noah aeon pavel stuklik Welcome on the show. What are you most excited about 
right now in your life? What is most alive for you right now? Thank you so much for uh, being here because it's a, it's an honor. And uh, what I'm excited about is the hope in humanity. Uh, it's really uh, been fascinating to watch uh, the amount of cities that we tour in and the amount of the same type of person that we see in city after city that, you know, is on this journey through self-transformation, is doing the work, is uh, not just talking about it, but embodying what maybe we've been reading, you know, 10 years ago. And um, it's actually happening and, and we can actually feel the shift. You know, five, 10 years ago, we were talking about it, even myself. And, and, um, and yes, you could have glimpses of it, but now it's becoming this embodied way of living. Hmm. I love how you mentioned that you are touring around cities because something that came very connected with that word in itself is the CD, what they talk about in the yogic traditions. And what you're talking about, this movement that humanity is heading into, it's almost like we're unlocking new cities, which, which are in the yogic traditions, sort of like the superpowers that get unlocked when we awaken to this consciousness. So I would love to have an overview for you about how you've activated certain cities or maybe even superpowers in your own life and how that's carried on with what you're doing right now in the world. Yeah, well, so, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. So I've been always this avid seeker of truth, you know, and my whole life I've been just um, going from place to place, city to city, to learn from all of these uh, amazing, you know, masters and teachers and, and gurus. And I've been so fascinated by it, but it, not, it wasn't always fell through, right? And so I think one of the biggest superpowers that, um, that is a birth uh, right uh, that we, we, we have is our psychic abilities and our psychic powers. And some people call it spiritual gifts, you know, others are psychics, and it really matters not what we call it, but it's this divine inheritance to be able to hear those inner whispers, you know, to be able to feel uh, these feelings, the, the empaths of the world, to be able to see uh, lights, colors, or maybe visions, and to be able to be in your knowing, so you're no longer required to think and do and do, you know, we're moving into the state of being. And so I have more than ever been able to really feel these, uh, this expansion uh, in my decisions, in um, my actions with others, uh, in, you know, calling the right person at the right time. I mean, the synchronicities have really just popped into uh, my field. And I believe the same is happening to those people that are in the journey. And these are almost sort of like new senses that we are tapping into. And I heard once that whenever a human being deprivates themselves of their five senses, something happens, some external sense or even other senses get activated. And you have had a tradition of going, I think it's four times now to Thailand for a 10 day darkness retreat with no food, no light, with the master Jazz Muheen, who's a breatharian, where she lives off of the prana, off of literally life force energy. And that might be a stretch for even some people, but she's tapping into some other senses. 
So I would love to dive in into this experience of what it is to truly be in the dark, not only you know in, in a room with no light, but truly being in a place of darkness in our life and still finding the light in there. What was that like for you? Yeah, so there's so many angles that we can actually dive into this, but I would like to start with uh, with seeing us as other, right? Other uh, senses or other gifts. You know, these are actually, it's, it's a process of remembering, right, who we are. And there's a lot of um, messaging about this because this is our divine inheritance, you know? So yes, we have our five physical senses that we come into this space, but that's just from the physical body, right? But then if you think about uh, the prana, the source, it's the original source energy that gives us life when we're born and that will go back to the unified realms of existence when we die. And so throughout the first breath and last breath that we're, that we're you know, taking in this physical journey, we essentially have a choice. How much of this light or how much of this source do we want to uh, bring up forward? And, you know, when you think about, for example, breatharians or, you know, pranic people, uh, they're no different than, than us. What they're doing is they're just simply using an alternative source of energy as their way to fuel. So let's say that we are living in the dense, you know, beta active brainwave frequencies and our whole life is about chasing us for money and worrying about food and, you know, who is going to be the next partner. We're essentially living in the very dense, uh, physical-oriented manifestation, which there's nothing wrong with it. It's fun, right? Uh, that's why we came here. But what can become wrong with it is when we start forgetting that divine inheritance of being an energy, being a source. Now, when you walk inside of the dark room, so it's basically an initiation into being a breatharian. And when you go in there, you completely leave all of your senses behind so that way you can purely focus on the original source vibration god love life you know many different uh, names for it but the way you access it is through slowing down you know changing up the brain waves from that busy beta into that alpha theta even gamma now in those in this time of of stillness and silence you start opening up these other spiritual gifts and you start being able to hear them, feel them, see them and know them. And sometimes it takes a while, right? Because of the monkey brain is still so active and it just has all of this interest uh, and agenda. But the further you surrender and the further you relax and you allow the beingness of you to come forward, then the hunger starts going down. And what happens is, you know, everybody has a source, right? Like we would be dead if we did not have a vital source energy inside of our physical body. But what happens is maybe we only use it 90-10, right? So 90% we need physical food and density. 10% we are uh, nourished by, by prana. But when you start slowing things down, you do these meditations, then we do series of testing every single day in the darkroom to be able to tell, you know, is our prana percentage 60-40 or is it, you know, 50-50? And so what, the way, the best way you can actually measure this is until you're losing weight, you're fasting. So you're still, you know, being in the fasting mode. 
But the minute that you convert 100% prana as your main source of energy, then you actually start gaining weight because your body brings you into the perfect uh, balance that it's originally been designed for. Mm -hmm. And so this last time I've been in there, this fourth time, it was actually the first time I actually really got it because all three other times I still was losing weight. So I would take pictures before and after, right? To be able to tell after 10 days, like what happens. And this time I literally show people the picture before and after and ask them, you know, what do you think is before and, and which one do you think after? And every single person gets it wrong. So I actually gain weight after 10 days of no physical food oh. instead of losing weight, which is ah, like nuts, right? Like crazy for, even for me, but it was. And then it took me two weeks after to start feeling hunger, physical hunger again. So it was about 21 days of completely no physical food in my space before I start reintroducing it again because I went back on tour and got back into the dense, you know, uh, realms of existence. And, you know, there is a way to, to fully you know, navigate this, but everybody has their perfect time. And it's really important. It doesn't come from place of mind because that's how people can die, right? Because the ego can be so, the spiritual ego specifically can be so strong that will always tell us, you know, and what's right or what's wrong. But this one really has to come from a place of inner being from these other four uh, spiritual gifts that we have. Hmm. And you mentioned that this practice was an initiation to become a breatharian. Was that one of your focuses on when you started or was it, were you coming in with a different direction, a different North star? Complete 360. I had no desire to be breatharian whatsoever. I had no desire to, uh, you know, I, I really honestly, for me, it was just peace. I just wanted to be in a peace. But here's the thing, right? What I thought, what you think, you don't know. When you know, you don't think, right? And yeah. so what's what's was hilarious is I just had this deep desire to be there, right? So that was the other senses that were telling me like, this is something that you need to remember, right? In this field. And I didn't know this going in, right? It's something that came after the lesson was, was taught. Mm -hmm. And um, what was incredible is, you know, I still don't have really any agenda in this, like I don't have a desire, but what's really magical is the soul sovereignty that you can experience if you're not dependent on a physical food. Because the way it came for Jasmine, she wanted to end the world's hunger for kids. She was like, why every, you know, I, I don't know exactly the data, but why every couple hours, you know, there is a children that dies because of hunger. Like why in today's world, it's, it's ridiculous, oh. you know? And so that was her deep questioning and through which she became breatharian because she was gifted this from the other side to basically bring this to the world. And that's what she did. She brought breatharianism into the West and, you know, she got so frowned upon. She got, you know, imagine this in like 80s, 90s, you know, and, and, and even wow. way back then. But now she claims there's over 200,000 people that are solely nourished by prana. And what I mean by it, they may still eat, they might still drink, but for pleasure, not for the need of calories. And that's the biggest mind hack you have to, you know, take on. There's so many ways we can go with this because I'm, I'm really, really thinking about if we are 
becoming in that state less matter and more energy as dr joe dispenza would put it did you feel when you were in in the darkness when you were sort of going at a higher vibration you were you know oscillating even faster did you feel that you were becoming way less of your body and more of the energy around you what was that experience like well so for me that was actually through the body and and it's 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 the dichotomy or the irony of our uh you know growth because you know, I was guilty of this, continues to seek outside, right? The biohacks, the tools, the, the, the techniques. And what happened for me was I got so overconsumed by what I need to have on the outside, you know, the right supplement, the right sleep, that I ended up, you know, going f- into this from the spiritual ego again. And by the way, spiritual ego, I've talked about it now twice. It's the highest expression of our mind, the monkey brain, small self, you know, different words. Spiritual ego can be trained and, and our monkey brain can be taught to work for us or against us. But when it works against us, it's the sequence of software and cycles that we have perpetuated that are continue to repeat until we hold them and delete them out of our system, right? So mind hacks 101, essentially. And the key in this strategy is to integrate the spiritual ego into that higher aspect of you that is already realized and embody it through the physical senses. And so that's really this journey now is anytime my mind starts wondering, should I do this uh, tool? Should I do that tool? Yes, it's fun. Explore it, right? Do it, but do it from place of embodiment inside of your body and then outward, you know, as within. So uh, below or, or as above, so below. Yeah. It's uh, the universal law that we're operating in. There's another universal law now that you mentioned that that I've heard you speak upon and you are an incredible manifester and you don't call it the law of attraction like we know it in the mainstream, things like the secret. You call this the law of resonance. And also you, like one of your biggest passions is music. So in music, there is frequency, vibration, resonance. How do you tie that together with this universal law of resonance to create the reality that you are living in today? Yes, uh, it's a really important question, especially for spiritual community. And so, you know, again, I was an avid seeker of truth, right? I watched the documentary, The Secret. I watched all of the different law of attraction type things. And most of this work is actually coming from our third chakra, from the the center of power and ego of what we think that we want instead of uh, being what we are. And essentially, law of resonance means that you match the frequencies with the right outcome of where you currently stand. And the easiest way, it starts with self-assessment. You know, think about your life right now. What are the triggering thoughts you're having? What are the triggering emotions you're having? What are the people in your space? Like what's the quality of your relationships? What is the quality of your abundance? Because, you know, uh, money is directly tied to your health and is directly tied to quality of your relationships because of the energy centers that we're operating in. Now, for me, the wake-up call was that we are taught to create uh, from place of scarcity, we're taught to create from place of ego. And uh, the way we're taught to create is to start with intention, start with the visions and then do emotions. 
But in reality, it actually is supposed to start with images. Um, we, we are, uh, if you're creating from your heart, from your heart's true heart's desire, it can come from a two places, right? There's one place, which is that you're just in a divine essence and being. And as things come, you welcome them and work through them. Or you can also direct them uh, if you come from a place of, you know, questioning. If this is meant for me and meant for the greatest good of the whole, you know, make it happen. But you still have to take responsibility in this way because we came here to play, to create our own reality. And a lot of spiritual community, you know, thinks that it will just appear, right? It will just come. And if we just like do a little bit of a work, it's going to all of a sudden show up. And then they're surprised when, you know, maybe we get broke and maybe we don't have the right relationships. And so that's the best way to evaluate, right, where we are. Now, let's say that you're ready to use this law of resonance. Well, go deep inside, slow down your breath, you know, connect into your body's awareness, connect into your heart's desire, step into that heart. I even teach a beautiful heart exercise to, to do that. And essentially, then you start projecting these images as if it was a hologram in front of you. So imagine like a sphere around your body and imagine that all of these images and visions you're projecting into that little field of your heart because heart is so much more potent and powerful than your mind. And essentially, when you have these images, then you bring the emotions to it. So then you charge it with, with that, that emotional you know, power. And then you bring the intention and attention. And attention is the key word right here. Because if you, let's say, want to have a new house, right? There is nothing wrong with having a house, but it, when you're creating off of your ego, that house might burn down, you know, three months down the road. Or maybe you lose a job uh, because that was paying for the mortgage for your house. And that's when you're creating from polarity. Mm -hmm. And when you're creating from polarity, right, there is always a but attached to it. Because for it to exist, there must be some other opposite for it to not exist. But when you're creating from this essence, ocean, beingness from your heart, it does not bound to polarity, which is now you don't have these highs and lows. And so this is the format that you follow, basically. And then, you know, you are it, right? You become it, you embrace it, you see it, you feel it, you um, take the action to it which is the doing, right? And then you have the results as a natural flow of choices and consequences. And if you think about life, that's all is it about. It's all made up of our choices and consequences, but it has a delay. And that's what can mess with us sometimes because further apart we are from our divine inheritance truth, further apart these cycles are, and then we think it's happening to us. Uh, so long story short, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Well, I'd love to keep on that topic of the cycles because it's almost like in our life, we live certain cycles. And you said once that, you know, these micro cycles that you were living were because the lessons that were in those cycles, you had not fully integrated and learned. So these micro cycles would keep appearing and reappearing and continuing and recycling until you moved out of that polarity. And talking about polarity... I think in order to be able to create from that space of non-duality, we have to learn about the duality within ourselves. So in your life, 
I know just even recently, this, this was a, a, a leap for you, not, not in, a, in the big scheme of things, but this is relatively short term, is that you had to move through a lot of different cycles and learn about the polarity within you. What can you tell us about sort of that journey? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I walked out of the cave the first time uh, or of the dark room, you know, I decided that I want to live in service and I decided that I'm going to go to this completely 360 aspect of myself that wants to do workshops, retreats and, and, you know, be in his purpose. Now, what happened was I wasn't fully integrated and aligned in every aspect of my life. And so it led me into a place of losing everything. I mean, I literally went from making millions of dollars and having this set life uh, in, in the societal norm into having every single account being frozen. Wow. And um, it was so hard at times that I literally was fasting for few, several days and nights just so my kids have enough food to eat. And, and I'll tell you, it was so crazy that I would be living from workshop to workshop or, you know, uh, DJ gig to DJ gig. But anytime I would get paid, it would not be in even enough to get above the zero. That's how bad it was. So I was in wow. so much debt all of a sudden that I literally went into some of the darkest parts of my life. And what year was this that this all happened? This was about a year before COVID. And then it kind of like just brought me down completely right at, you know, COVID. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, though, I that's when the, the light start coming in, you know, and all of these tools became so handy because I could have taken my life. You know, it was so uh, crazy. I mean, I got divorced. I um, every single thing I touched, it literally did not work out. I try to go back to business and entrepreneurship and and it was, you know, I try to go back to what I knew that would work and, and that I knew how I made money before. And then it just brought me even further and even more south. So in this moment, I really had to pick myself up and reintegrate where I was. And up until then, you know, I was literally living. I was Aeon at night. You know, I was doing drugs and alcohol and, and all of these, you know, gigs and then during the day, I would be teaching workshops and health and drinking cold pressed juices. And I was literally playing ping pong left and right and highs and lows and good days and bad days. And yet I was teaching already about this, but I wasn't fully in the harmony, in that center line that I've been, thank God, able to find now where I no longer learn from pain. I no longer learn from the gutter. I'm actually learning from joy. I'm learning from fun and, and, um, and love. And I used to not think that it was possible. And for those of you that are listening that are going through something similar, you know, at the end of all of this pain is light and is love, but we have to face these cycles. So in this moment, I basically start, I had to quit. I had to like stop, you know, what is happening right now? What continues, you know, mindset I'm having, what emotions I'm creating, what relationships I'm, I'm seeing because this is absolutely not the reflection of who I want to be, but it takes that little bit of a leap and time to get over the bridge, to be able to bridge into um, and clean up really all of that past, you know, self that you wear. Mm. And these cycles will keep on getting weaker and weaker, you know, so we have a micro cycles that are smaller stuff that keeps on coming on a daily basis. 
It could come from, you know, a negative mind, negative emotions. It could come from relationships just all of a sudden, like, like you know, going back to back in, 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 in the most interesting ways that you're like, I've been here before, but why does this keep on coming? Well, it starts with the awareness that I've been there. Okay, what am I continuing to repeating? And how can I re-see these cycles into a new? And to get into the new, we have to step outside of the egoic, you know, past and future. And because most of the life, we just keep on recreating the same future from the past. And look at our culture, right? Look at Bible, look at uh, governments. Every single cycle that has ever happened, there's nothing new. We're just recreating the same thing. Different characters, different names, different masks, essentially. It's ridiculous, right? But the thing is, because we are blinded to this, because we don't slow down, because we don't unhook from all of these you know, things that we're doing and don't take time just for ourselves to actually get a clear picture, you know, zoom out essentially from this and just look at the trajectories. And when you zoom out, you can also look at the macro cycles, you know, the bigger cycles that we're going through collectively and also supra collectively as our planet Earth and, and beyond. And we literally operate in these three ways. It's the me, individual self, your mind, body, emotion, spirit, the we, the collective self, the environment around us, and then the be, the essence, uh, as I like to call it, the supra collective, you know, our star system, our universal uh, and universes around us, you know, we're all part of this smaller but very large aspect at the same time. And when people say we're one, right, here it's we're one, one, one here because of operating in this. And through these choices and consequences, we create reality that we're seeing amongst all of us. And so in this, right, I start re-seeing that reality. I start re-seeing the repetition and I start triggering that with new choices, with new consequences. And so now it's crazy how you know it took a while to get here but it's amazing to see the expansion that we can you know take on when we step outside of the that cycle yeah and you're even mentioning how the old ways that you would for example make money were no longer working out and for people who don't know that you grew sort of the orange theory fitness um whole franchise you open over 100 stores and you were becoming a millionaire at the age of you know very early 20s and now for you to say that the, the ways that you were making money back then are no longer working for you or were no longer working for you it gets me into see that you sort of entered a new we could use the word maybe dimension or world or reality and you mentioned that you had to see things anew which Brings us to a teacher that I love that I know we both share a deep admiration for is Paul Selig's work with the guides. And he talks about we are moving into this kingdom of heaven, this new oscillation of what it is to be a human being. And essentially a whole new world opens up. So how did you, I don't want to ask a how-to question with that, but when, when you were going through that phase of switching to the new earth what was that experience or journey like was it all of a sudden one day you woke up and you know the the ways that you were doing things before were no longer working or how did that sort of holographic change in your reality take place was there an initiation 
for that other than the darkness you know i'm really curious to know as to how you made that switch so quick well it wasn't quick you know so it's a combination of a, a tipping point that i had to reach where i've had enough and you know there is a tipping point that everybody embarks on when you literally say it even sometimes out loud like i have enough like i don't want to be in pain anymore i don't want to learn through the gutter and i had so enough i had such a rock bottom that basically i became i i made it into a power right like i came into this pain to basically refurbish all of those you know ideas of myself and essentially it was a it was a process of of these cycles to slowly getting weaker and weaker and weaker until these cycles were replaced with this new uh, ways to learn. And remember, it's up to our choice is how we want to learn. No matter what, we came here to, you know, uh, descend, right, from the, the unified realms of existence. We are here to learn and share these gifts from one another so we can ascend back again to that same place of oneness that, that we are. And to start seeing this as a privilege that we actually got this opportunity to breathe the air, you know, to sense the vibrations and sounds. And, you know, it's in some of my deepest meditations, when I became one with, with everything again, you know, in these deep states, I've noticed like, okay, this is cool, but I can see how God would want to be, to be, want to create an image of, of um, itself because I don't want to say he or she, I, it always uh, bothers me when we call God he, because I think uh, it's a very, you know, patriarchal way of looking at things. Mm. But uh, uh, when, we, uh, when we step into this individuality, all of a sudden it's like, wow, like you start really enjoying, you know, every moment of your life because of this privilege of not seeing everything as one, you know? Yeah. And one thing, so for people that don't know, I, one of my initial sort of, I would even call it an initiation was going through workshop with you, uh, in 2020, uh, or it was 2019 in London at the health optimization summit. And it just opened me up to a new reality. And I realized how powerful music sound vibration was community and I would love to just now dive into how sound and frequency can have such a powerful healing effect, not only on our body, but our, on our energetic system, the way that we create, the way that we manifest. And there's one important caveat that people need to know about the music industry. And it has to do with the number 440 hertz. If you want to dive into what happened there with the 440 no, absolutely. I mean, if we look at our life, right, we're made up of energy, frequency, and vibration. Not all frequencies are the same vibration. So that's why sometimes people are all about frequency, but it's actually this combination of this, this uh, trinity of, of all three. Now, when it comes to sound, so in this dark room and, and in this uh, whole journey through self-transformation, I had to reconnect to my passion, my purpose, and my legacy. And passion has always been sound. I've just been so intrigued by, you know, raves and music and, and dance, and, and it's been always my way of expression. And um, 
So that's why, you know, after the first darkroom, I basically left and to learn how to DJ, how to produce music. And then as with everything, I wanted to push it to the next level, which was why are we using 440 hertz as the baseline, you know, frequency? And then I went into studies and research. And then I've noticed that um, I, I forget exactly the date. It's like 1918 or 1920 something. Rockefeller Foundation made the 440 hertz the standard for TV or for radio, for any sorts of transmission. And essentially, when you look at the, the studies of what happens to your brain when you're listening to the 440 hertz, it's distorted. And I like to use this example. You know, if you go from one city to another city, you're driving uh, down the car and you're, you're tuning into, I don't know, 96.5, right, radio station, that station starts becoming more muffled and muffled further away you're getting, you know, from, from the full strength. And that muffling sound is exactly what 440 hertz does to your brain. And so we are literally listening to a distorted sound. And it's really interesting how spiritually evolved these other people are uh, that are, you know, whatever we call them, holding us, you know, in control or, or limitations because it's made by design. And we are living in a world of deception where, you know, we're being taught to follow religions. We're being taught to follow even new age uh, type materials. And yet it maybe speaks the right language. It maybe sounds like love and light, but there is always a but. There's always some sort of hook in that whole system that is actually bringing us down and so, or, or keeping us limited. Because imagine if all of a sudden everybody became limitless, right? We would no longer need governments. We would no longer need currencies. We would just be, you know, collaborating, unified and, and, and in a pure love. And which I truly believe this is why we all incarnated in this period of time, because this hopefully will happen in our lifetime, you know, through the power of everyone waking up or remembering who we are. So if you just go even one note off, if you just go from 440 hertz into 441 or 442, it's closer note to the God than it is the 440 hertz. And of course, there is somebody called Solfigio that has created the Solfigio frequency scale. You know, anybody can Google this. There is a, there is a variety of different um, hertzes that he's used for different uh, things. Uh, there might be some things for, you know, negativity. Some are for anti-cancerous uh, frequencies where the cancer actually cannot lie in that, you know, certain frequency. And then it can also be connected to your brain waves, which is also very interesting, you know, to match the sound with certain brain waves and with guided intentional meditation or breath work. And that's really kind of what became my purpose, right? Is how do I uh, get this knowledge out? And how do I integrate all of these beautiful tools and experiences into a fun format? And, you know, and then it turned into my legacy, which is how do I make means with doing good in this world and actually be supported, be supported for the service that I'm doing. And I think that's the biggest thing that's unfolding for many of us, right? Because we know our passions. We know our, we are starting to really dive into our purpose. But then the legacy has been, you know, taught that we can make money to do good. We, you know, we've been taught that like, if we're making money with spirituality, it's like this wrong part of us. And, 
And I thought the same, you know, that's why I lost everything. That's why I was broke while I was tired and sick with doing all of this magical work. So uh, it's really became this new integrated approach through all of these elements that uh, is the makeup of where I am today. And now you're working with the five to eight hertz frequency, which is the frequency of love. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So I actually still work um, with uh, like with all of them, like with uh, many different um, frequencies. But my latest album or EP with a Japanese singer that we're creating is a modern, you know, shamanic tribal Afro house with uh, with the frequency of five to eight hertz. And um some of the benefits that have been, you know, proven is that it actually can reduce stress, anxiety, it can improve your sleep quality, it can f increase the feelings of calmness and relaxation, and essentially it's the deeper connection to nature, the universe, while you're listening to, to this frequency. And if you look at, you know, there's plenty of frequencies out there. You can go on YouTube, you know, you can find, let's say, 5 to 8 hertz, you know, soundtracks or soundscapes. But not many people are using it on a modern beat. And so for me, it was like, how do we dance to this? How do we actually express ourselves and have fun with this? And that's what I do now in my DJ sets. I reharmonize these tracks, even if it's a famous commercial, you know, sounds, and um, bring it into these uh, frequencies. That's so interesting because I wanted to ask you about the before and after sort of uh, what happens because when you're at a rave, for example, and let's say they're tuning their DJ sets to a frequency like 440, and then you take the same music and you're putting that in 528, what do you notice as a DJ? Because you're obviously, you're, you have a bird's eye view of the crowd, of the audience, you're feeling the energy. What do you see? What do you feel? What is different in, in, those, in those experiences than if we're doing it on a more maybe unconscious way. Yeah, well, so, you know, I can, I, I, I'm not gonna tell you what I feel, I'm gonna tell you what we, what the people are saying to us, because I think that's much more, uh, that way it doesn't come from me necessarily. But so this last year, uh, we, we did a 80s, 70s and 80s party for the biohacking conference, you know, for the Dave Asprey's conference in Orlando. And so we were hired on to basically create like a three hour experience uh, that is um, for the biohacking community. So it was like, I don't know, 2,000 people, right, dancing at the same time. And we didn't necessarily, you know, it was set very lightly that we're using Solfigio, but it was actually the biggest um, challenge for me because I never played 70s, 80s music. I'm not even born, you know, in that time. So it was like, sure, I'll, I'll take this, this, this on. And then we remastered the tracks into, uh, you know, 432 hertz and 528 hertz primarily. And essentially what people were saying, it was unexplained feelings of joy, of happiness, of not needing alcohol, uh, feeling accepted, feeling, um, it, it was this like natural supplemental difference in, in the field. And they couldn't really put a, a, put a, like a word to it. Like it wasn't, it's funny, it's very much body felt, you know, or embodied again. Yeah. And what do you think happens, whether that's in the body, in the field, sort of maybe from either a scientific point of view or just an experiential point of view, what do you think happens in those, in that, in that experience? 
so you know if you think about um life everything is on a different keynote right so you've got the high note you've got the low note right and and then you've got the notes in between and so if you are resonating in a high keynote maybe let's say it's the love joy you know the vibration of 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 god right the, at the highest expression and then maybe you have a low note which is like the darkness the fear the guilt and if we just take this, you know, imagine that we're operating these tracks at a really high vibratory accord, really high rate. And let's say that people are mostly tuning into the 440 hertz, which would be on much lower uh, vibratory accord. You know, what happens naturally is people feel more happy. People feel more joy. And also people can actually step outside of the daily pain and fears and they can actually now through action, through movement, re-seeing those patterns and cycles in a, in a real-life experience. So to me, I think we're really accessing the divine energies through frequency, vibration, and the fuel of, of people's will and intention. And almost what I'm sensing is that the one before that, so the unconscious 440, the raves, like that's coming from a place of well people are still seeking joy happiness ecstatic states but it might be coming from a place of escapism or trying to you know ignore the the reality the pain the suffering of their of their reality that they're living and going to these events going to these raves to escape that this sounds more like an embodiment of who we truly are bringing out that divine self that monad, as Paul Selig would call it, it's bringing that out naturally. Is that what you feel as well? So this is actually a great example of deception, right? So so raves are actually amazing, right? The plur, the famous peace, love, unity, respect, I, I've loved it and embraced it so much because it speaks to the, the mission that, that I'm on. But yes, you know, in order for people to, to feel it or to get into it, and not everybody, right? People are now waking up as well. But then there's this huge overuse of drugs and, and alcohol and, um, and uh, ecstasy and, and the things that we're meant to feel naturally even greater when we hit these beautiful states. So, so it's exactly what you're saying. It's what we're doing through these conscious raves, so to speak. We're embodying it. We're feeling it from within. And then you know, there is no threshold, right? There's no threshold to how far we can take this. It's all up to us and the unified realms of existence we can tap. And maybe in the rave, you can feel it in a short bit of time, right? While you are on the drugs or while you're in there. But then, you know, you're left in the duality. You know, you've got low serotonin. You've got no dopamine. You're, you're like depressed, right? Like the week or two after these raves. And, and that was for me too, right? We take a bunch of great MDMA and have awesome fun and awesome time. But then the Monday hits and you're like, <laughs> your life forces suck out of you because you've got nothing left. And so what this is, it actually lasts and it does not have, again, the duality attached to it. Hmm. And let's talk about because you mentioned MDMA and those types of, of mind-altering substances. There's a big one that you abandoned around, I would say, maybe three years ago, I believe, which was alcohol. So what could you speak upon the, the frequency of alcohol and how leaving that behind has transformed your own manifesting capabilities, how you're creating in the world, and sort of what has changed since you left that? 
Oh my gosh. So yes, about three years ago, I, I, I quit. Uh, it was the best decision of my life, but also one of the hardest one because of the social acceptance, because of also, you know, up until then I was, I was DJing these huge raves, right? I was DJing in a major nightclubs and music festivals. And the minute I quit alcohol, I looked into the crowd and I was like, what am I doing here? I literally had the biggest low purpose, uh, state, you know, of, of my, you know, music career. And I was like, this is not why I started this. You know, this is not why, why I went into the dark room and why I wanted to do this. But I, what I've noticed is I could not be there without the use of alcohol or drugs. And so first thing first, the minute I quit this, all of a sudden, all of the other toxicities in my life went away. And I'm going to use the term parasites for this moment, because again, it's as above, so below. So having a parasite's toxicity on the inside will then create the law of resonance on the outside. So guess what? I had a whole bunch of toxic, toxic relationships, toxic thoughts, toxic you know, business decisions, because it was reflecting me at that state. So when I took that away, all of a sudden, I took away all of the consequences of having few drinks. You know, what happens in a triggering moment after the second and third drink, then you reach for the drugs and then you are up all night and then you make this, you know, snowball of negative decisions that take you so much longer and further to, away from, you know, getting back up to the, to the light. So this is actually the main pivotal moment when I stop jumping highs and lows and up and down because I start taking all of the toxic things in my life away and I start unhooking from this old self and essentially start rehooking into the new self, which brought, uh, you know, this, um, you know, lasting uh, happiness. Um, so that was one thing. I also had the same realization with things like, you know, there's a ketamine, there is MDMA treatments, there is psychedelic treatments. And the amount of overuse that is being hap that's happening right now is really, you know, incredible. And it's not incredible in a, in a good ways because I start seeing people coming into our sessions and, you know, doing a dose of mushrooms and doing dose of, you know, these, these drugs. Now, I'm not declining the benefits, right, of what it can do, and I'm not declining the, what, it, what it has done for me as well, but what I'm saying is there is a way to access this through your breath. There is a way to access it through the sound and where it can actually last. And so I used to take, for example, mushrooms in, in, in a wrong way. You know, I took it for parties and I took it to um, embody the feelings and the enheightened, you know, uh, thoughts and, and also the, the colors that comes with it. But the minute that I actually went into this, uh, retreat in South Africa with these Iboga and Ibogaine, uh, shamans, part of the Iboga cleanse was a super high dose of, uh, mushrooms. And, you know, the first few days you're just cleansing your body. You're doing a lot of um, uh, you know, infrared sauna, you're doing anything to do to prepare for the Iboga, right? Because it's like the, the master uh, of, of the teachings. And I think it was day five that they give me 5.5 grams of mushrooms. And I've never taken this much. And I was like, holy shit, like, are you, are you, are you guys sure? Like, what, are we going to be here on earth still? The uh, heroic dose that Terrence McKenna talks about. <laughs> yes. 
So, so I take it and the first thing that these guys tell me is no music, no nothing. You're just going to get a blindfold. It will be during the day and you're going to be there with yourself for the next six to eight hours. And so I was like, perfect. Got it. I will see you guys later. And what happened was um, I got, so the minute you get beyond the physical senses, that's when the actual um, stuff happens. And that's when you actually move into this interjective planes of reality where you can cross between the spiritual and the physical. And so I thought I would be totally out of my mind. And it was the opposite. After I got through all of the subconscious, you know, thoughts and the weirdness and all of the shapes that, you know, our subconscious mind wants to release from all the overconsumption consumption of movies and, and videos and things like that, then you step into this infinite web of, of all and you start working on the spiritual level. And so I basically have had mushrooms since then, maybe three, four times, very limited. I actually stopped doing all of it because of the amount of work I was able to do and take into my everyday life without this misuse. So it was really like, wow, like that's what this is about, you know, not just the micro dose of, of, good feeling or good brain, you know, that's not the right reason, you know, to, to use it for. And I've also heard that you can never take another person as deep as you haven't gone into yourself. So that actually completely reflects with what you're doing in the world with the workshops, because you've been, you've been to those depths yourself. And this isn't something that, you know, sort of barked, you know, at, at a certain age, this was something that you were brought up with. As I was looking further into your story, you were brought up as well in the Czech Republic with shamans and you were going through spiritual training from a very early age. And then you kept exploring that as you are an avid seeker of truth. You then went to Brazil and you were living for a month with psychics over there in Brazil. You went to Japan and you were training with like, what is it like to be a samurai? So if you were to, let's say, for the next generation of leaders, I know you just have a new daughter, Pixie, um, congratulations on that. How would you train a young child now into these psychic shamanic realms for them to be, as you put it, limitless in their reality? How would you sort of give them that blueprint of being a completely new human that needs to go into the new earth that we're that we're stepping into. Yeah, so so I you know so I've got three kids total. I've got a seven and nine year old a boy and girl, and then I've got the the latest edition, which is like six seven weeks old. Wow. And essentially, you know what I've learned through this, it's the complete opposite. So instead of us, um, you know, bringing them up and, and, and teaching them, it's actually allowing them to continue staying connected in their beingness to not take away from their, um, their divine inheritance because they are divine as they come. And so for us, uh, people in, in, you know, older age group, we actually have to spend, you know, let's say we spend 20, 30, 40 years of living in the society, in this norm, then it takes us another, you know, however many years to unhook and unlearn and undo everything that we've been taught. So if I can say something when it comes to children, it's to not even bring them into these limitations and, and create a set of boundaries, right? So they, they're kind of inflating a balloon 
right? There's a boundary of what is love, what is safety, what is, what is you know, uh, good best based on our, you know, knowledge we have today. But then the rest of it is actually allowing them to watch it unfold. And so that's one of my favorite things to do with, with kids is, you know, instead of telling them, you know, stop this, can't do this, you know, sh shut it out here. You know, those are all of the limits that we're putting. And those are all of the uh, uh, mental patterns that we're creating rather than allowing that natural flow of evolution. And uh, with you being at this state, you don't have to do anything. You just got to continue being who you are at this place where fear is not held, where pain and suffering is not held. And if it is still held inside of you, how can you process that so that way we don't pass this on to our children? Mm -hmm. And in terms of spiritual psychic training, would there be anything that you say is a non-negotiable, even, even if it's, you know, not bringing them up with the limiting beliefs that we come with or even inherited from our parents and then their parents and then their parents, would there be anything, any practice that you believe would be non-negotiable for any child or anyone being brought up in this new world to really ground and, and practice and be and take a part in? Yes. So I think that's when the toolbox comes in, right? And so that's really what System Reset is about. It's a set of tools that that are, um, you know, that have been here for, you know, thousands of years. Nothing that we do is new. It's just another way to, you know, look at it and, and package it, right? And so what I do with my children is I just show them everything that I do. I speak to them as if they're adult. Uh, I, you know, bring them to our that's workshops. Big. I, I literally, you know, some of our deepest conversations are at night. Uh, we, we cultivate gratitude at our dinners. We activate and charge food with their hands. We talk about, you know, their top three things they're proud of and then top three things that they want to work on. So it's, a, you know, it's not one or, or a few tools. It's really what the parents have been, you know, learning and growing and immediately just sharing it with them as if they're your biggest uh, listener. And, you know, I also see a lot of people don't think that they have things to say or they don't feel confident or worthy of sharing with their communities. But remember, we live in an infinite web of love, an infinite web of light. And every person that comes to you with a question, they're coming to you because they are wanting to learn from you because they see that reflection and not maybe physically, right? This is more embodied feeling that that person has something that you would also love to have. So we simply, um, that's how we push evolution, right? We learn from one another instead of deny one another. And same goes for kids. Right, They are learning from each other, from us, through the energetics, but also through the actions. And I see that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I for example, uh, a few weeks ago, I took uh, Bella, my, my older girl. She couldn't sleep. So I, I did a 16-minute uh, two-part breathing with her until she passed out and slept. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the DMT going on in there. <laughs> yeah, she was... And so, so they're now like excited, you know, like, yeah, I feel the vibration and I feel the tingling. And, and I also, I use her uh, in, in the most beautiful way to go first into ice bath. So if we ever teach ice bath with people, she actually goes first and then all everybody's jaws go down and they're like, it gives them no more excuse to, to not have to not be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. And these children are, are imprinting something new into the field. 
Because if we talk about like the morphogenic field, if we talk about that study that they did with the hundredth monkey, where they took there was a you know an, in 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 Japan, I believe this was, they had a hundred monkeys, you know, and they were studying them, and one monkey found a new way to open up a sweet potato and eat it, and then without obviously you know verbal communication, maybe by example, every all of the other monkeys started doing the same. So then it was easier for them to access that potential. And what was curious was that at the same time this happened and this activated, there was an island that was pretty far from the inland and the monkeys over there started to do the same thing. It's almost like it was imprinted into the consciousness and they were sharing this web, as you call it, the web of love, the web of light, that they're now exchanging information that way telepathically or maybe even just something was upgraded in the consciousness i think that's what happened that's what's happening with these new children that's what's happening for example with your daughter showing people you know it's easy to get into an ice bath i have a lot of people that tell me like i i've seen you know i've uploaded videos getting into ice bath they're like how do you do that you know like how is that not painful i'm like you know I was shown examples of people like Wim Hof, you know, other instructors like you, like this is something that's being activated and sort of to start wrapping up. I wanted to talk about the toolbox and if we're going to open the toolbox, let's open it all the way. And there's some spiritual technologies and, and things that you are finding right now. And you're sort of right now acting as a weaver of these technologies that are coming out and, a lot of them people don't even know about, you know, what's going with the, with you call them consciousness sort of hacking tools. What, what are you seeing that's going into the market right now? What are you seeing, you know, as the future of this technology for us to be able to access deeper states and access more of who we are? Yeah. So, so that's literally, so we're, we're, we're calling it the consciousness expansion tools that we're uh, rolling out on our, um, website and basically it's a stack of tools that i've been using some for a long time others are more fresher uh and and so this is kind of how it works with me right i'm like uh, looking into all of these different tools that could be helpful especially to somebody that maybe is not yet fully dedicated to this right because if we ever ask like how much of a dedication we should have to the spirit right to our embodied nature i mean it's 100 percent but until people realize how important this is, then they will still see it as a convenience, right? When we hurt, we then seek for these tools. But what if we never even had to hurt to begin with and actually were you know, using them right now? And so some of the most exciting ones uh, is light therapy. Uh, so there is a company called Neurovisor that we're uh, bringing to the market that will literally sequence a light therapy while you are, we will take you bottom up into a present moment. It's all based on science already from 70s, by the way, which is so crazy too. It's like we've had all of this technology forever, but it's been, you know, hidden from us most of the time. And so light therapy can be amazing to rebuild your neuroplasticity, you know, to a new mind. And so I, I use it daily. I literally... Uh, have it right there. <laughs> and uh, essentially, it's uh, I combine it now with breath work, meditation, and sound as well. 
And uh, we are also partnering with Vibration, a vibroacoustic meditation cushion. Uh, it's called In Harmony, which will literally be able to also feel the vibration while you are having the sound and light. Uh, we have also red light therapy, which is made for your brain. That one I have handy. Uh, it looks mm. just like this. It wow. goes on your brain and on your gut. So you can actually absorb it. And what we're doing, it pulsates frequency again. So we've got, we've actually filmed for all of these companies, you know, meditations and breathworks that will be able to, let's say you access high gamma state, which is 100 hertz. You will be able to not just listen to it, the 100 hertz, you will also be able to pulsate it through the red light. So, you know, light is essential to our, you know, health and well-being. We're bringing in a uh, breath uh, uh, breathwork tools that you can actually strengthen your diaphragm and your your lungs, um, and uh, we're also huge into EMF uh, electromagnetic frequencies. You know, there is a lot of deception around this from the telecommunication companies that it's not harmful and and so on, and yet there is over six thousand studies published uh, that are showing that it's detrimental to our health. So we use something called the WaveGuard. It's a depolarization device that re-naturalizes the field around your home or around your space. So you can be much more closer to Earth's frequencies than, you know, in this uh, crazy world we're living in. And, you know, technology is not going anywhere. There is more and more 5G towers. There's more and more uh, satellites carpeted around our around the earth, which we will soon have nowhere to hide. And nobody's asking us for consent. Nobody's telling us what does it do to our consciousness, to our health. So what do we do? We bring the health back to the people. And that's, uh, that's part of our, you know, conscious products that we, we are uh, offering. Amazing, brother. And for someone that wants to unlock all of that and access it and connect with you, where would you send them for that? Absolutely. So what we'll do uh, for your audience, we'll give a free on-demand library uh, in, in the link uh, below, which will give them, uh, which will give you guys uh, over 80 hours worth of recording. So whatever it's meditation, breath work, sound healing, dance, if you just want to do something called getting ecstatic, uh, we call it the XTC from your home, it will all be uh, part of it. And uh, it's under noaaon, N-O-A-A-O-N.com is our website. And then N-O-A-A-O-N official is any social media where we post almost daily different tips and tricks and educational ways to connect. Amazing, brother. And we end every single podcast with a segment called The Final Trio, which are rapid fire questions that you can answer in any way that you want. The first two are personalized to you. And then the last one we ask at the end of every single show. The first one is, in Noah Aeon, the Aeon is all or nothing. What are you all or nothing in right now in your life? It's the dedication to life itself in every moment of my life. I love that. And the second one is simple, but everyone has different definitions for it. What is love for you? <laughs> Well, love is all there is, and love is God, love is life, love is um, breath. I really think if you think about what separates us, it's just an air or space or breath of air, and that is love too. 
So close your eyes, tune into everythingness and nothingness at the same time. And there's your summary of love. <laughs> this final question we call the time capsule question, where essentially we have to travel out a little bit into the future, let's say 15, 20 years down the line. And you were given the opportunity to create a time capsule. And whoever was going to open this time capsule are going to be essentially the leaders of tomorrow. So the people in the younger generations now in 15, 20 years are going to be stepping into leadership positions all over the world. And that time capsule that you were given the opportunity for is for these leaders to open in the future. So they're going to be the leaders of tomorrow and they get to open this time capsule. You can put anything that you want in there, limitless possibilities. It doesn't have to be anything physical, but when they open it, they're going to be equipped with all the tools necessary for them to carry out earth into this golden age that we're entering into now. What would you leave behind in this time capsule? I would leave, uh, the folder of uh, of this magnificent growth and it's funny because i use this meditation quite frequently where you imagine you know an iphone uh, you have a certain amount of apps and through each app right we come with a certain software and in order for us to download new software we have to connect to the internet so i would leave in there that we are connecting to the internet the infinite source of all of these um, beautiful tools. And so I would leave a one little folder that you open up and your direct connection to the internet. So that way you can decide where you're uh, heading in the best possible ways forward. And not the internet, the internet. What do, you, what do you mean by the internet? So when we download new software, we connect to the internet, right? Uh, on our computer. But when we download new software or apps uh, into our uh, existence, we connect to the inner net. And that is the timelessness space of slowing things down and being able to have direct, you know, beyond 5G connection into the source. Hmm. And on the top of the time capsule, there's an emblem that you can carve in a question, a sort of contemplative, reflective question for the leaders that are going to be opening the time capsule. What would that question be? It would be, where, where am I? And the reason why is to continue asking where our consciousness is, where are we heading? Where are we coming from? And I like to ask this question constantly because I tend to be sometimes in the future and in the past. And it's a reminder to come back into the center. <laughs> Pavel, brother, you've been such an important part of my journey. And I wanted to send you all the love uh, and gratitude for the presence that you've had in my life. And I'm just so excited that I get to share you now with anyone that is ready to be activated by your frequency, by your message, by your love. And it's just been such an honor. And I can't wait to see where we go next uh, together and in, in, co in collaboration. You know, the, the pleasure is mine. I am so proud of you and so happy and grateful to see how you're thriving you're shining you're you're doing the work you're embodying it i mean thank you on behalf of everyone that is listening to your work 
because you're creating a portal for the time capsule. It's kind of ironic you asked that because you are that. So thank you. <laughs> much love, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.